You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. Psalm 34, 7, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Anybody ever heard this verse before? I uncovered it. I dusted a bunch of stuff off and I found it. No, a bunch of, this is a, quite a, a common verse. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When I was, uh, when I was maybe 11, I was a preteen, however old I was. And I had this desire, this dream that when I was old enough, at whatever time I could, I would leave where I was. And uh, I loved sports, but I wasn't good enough at sports to even make the high school team. Don't worry about the, my soundtrack here that we can't fix right now. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't that good, but I loved it. So I had this amazing plan that I would leave when I could. I would go to this university that I loved the basketball team of. And then I would, uh, I would become a sports medicine doctor. Uh, because then I was like, oh, I bet I'll make tons of money and I'll hang out with athletes. Best of both worlds. And, uh, and then I would open a practice in a downtown urban center, like in a high-rise, and, and I would treat premier athletes, and then I would buy a black Porsche Boxster. I didn't know. I could probably do a lot more than that, but that was it, you know? And I was like, that's all I had. There was no more outside of that. Maybe I would figure it out after I got in the Boxster, what else I would do, but that was my desire. And uh, desire's funny, because I don't know. Like, I don't have those things right now. Maybe they're still coming but the Lord has not given me the desires of my heart. And it is, desires, anyway, it's a funny thing to think about. I don't know if that's usually how we think about God, that God's actually in the business of fulfilling desire. He actually likes that. Uh, normally, we, we, we think about God and that God is kind of against what I want, probably, most likely. But it actually says that God is, in Psalm 34, 7, that we are to take delight in the Lord, and he'll give us the desires of our hearts. So what's that all about? What's desire? In the Bible, the, the word heart is, is uh, the center of what a person is. So we usually think about people in terms of like, are they intellectual or are they emotional? The Bible doesn't understand things like that, really. The, 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 the people that write the Bible think of people as, as, as living out of their heart, not their mind and not their emotions, which are actually both what are called the soul. That's what's funny. Usually we, we, we even, in our, in, even in this group, we kind of like separate over like I'm like an emotional person and I'm an intellectual person. In the, in the world of the scriptures, that's actually kind of still the same person. It's a person that's living out of what the Bible calls the soul. The heart is, is the, the, the Bible understands as, as really what you live out of, really who you are, your core identity. And, and they would think of it uh, for better or for worse, and they didn't really understand that much about how the body worked, but they would think about it in terms of the stomach. That you're, where is your heart? Your heart's like in your gut. So when you feel something, you know, viscerally, you know, like I just feel it, they would say that's the heart. And it's interesting, actually, that different studies are showing that actually we don't just think with our minds, but we actually do think with the organs found here as well, which are interesting. They're kind of catching up. But it's this idea of the heart, and the heart is, I'll just read you it here, the heart is the home of your most fundamental longings. 
It's a visceral subconscious orientation to the world. The longing is like a craving, like the stomach. So as everybody lives out of their heart, which craves something, okay? And that's actually how we make decisions, and that's actually what guides our life. <clears throat> we sometimes think that what guides my life is my, my thought life. I thought, I thought about what I wanted to do, and then I did it. The Bible doesn't think that that's the case, uh, if the Bible thinks. Uh, the story of the Bible doesn't express that. It's actually that people are actually being led by their hearts, whether they know it or not. They're being led by their desires. Uh, another word for this is love, that we're, if we think about the heart like that, that we are following after what we love. Uh, Augustine, I don't think I have it written down, but if you know Augustine, um, he, he thought a lot about this, and he said that, that uh, yeah, he's been thinking about this a lot, and he told me, so I'm going to quote him, is that, uh, is that we're carried along by that which we love, okay? For better or for worse, that which my heart finds the most lovely or that which I love the most, my life will follow after it. Even if I think I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm actually just pursuing that which I love. Does that make sense? The heart is the chamber of our love. It's our love that orients us towards some ultimate end or goal. It's my desire that ends up defining me. In short, it's what I desire I become. It's like this, this phrase, you are what you eat, right? It's that what you desire, you will end up becoming like. People are driven not by what they know, but by what they want. And we live our lives from our hearts, not actually from our heads or from our emotions. This is a deeper thing just, than just emotion. Another way to talk about this again is worship. We're driven to worship things, and the things that we worship, we will become like. Again, worship not just in terms of music, but in terms of uh, what I pursue, what I'm after. To worship anything other than God, I'm just going to keep going through here so we can get back to it. It's a Tim Keller quote. What is an idol? Is anything more important to you than God? Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God? Anything you seek to give you what only God can give? So Tim Keller's saying the same thing that's a... a a modern-day writer and pastor. He's saying the same thing, that, that people are, are actually worshiping things. They're craving things. They're hungry for things. They're longing for things, even if they're not thinking that that's what's going on in their life, and they're following after it. Now, anything other than God, Tim Keller's saying, anything other than God that I'm longing for is an idol. And in the same principle, if I'm that which I worship, I will become like. So if I worship God... I pursue God, I long for God, I desire Him, I'll become like Him. And what is God like? God is love itself. He's life. He's, um, when I worship Him, I will become a person of love. I will come alive again. When I worship anything other than God then, as an idol, and I, I gave this idea of like worshiping the stool a few weeks ago, I remember. The stool is dead, but if I, like it's not a living thing. But if I worship it, the this same principle is that I'll become like it. Not that I'll look like a stool, but that I'll become dead. I'll become more and more lifeless, like a stool. Does that make sense? Just some background. So, so all that to say, we were made to desire things. This is actually just me saying this is the way human beings are wired. So we should connect with that again. That those things, that, that my wants and my desires are extremely important to pay attention to. These are not things that I should like ignore, and, and think, okay, now it's time I follow Jesus, which is usually how we do this, and it's time to learn a lot of things, or it's time to feel a lot of things, okay? 
These are both fine. They're good. They're actually a part of the system. But most important, what really will help me to change is to begin to pay attention to what do I desire? What do I want? Whether that's God or something else. So if we were made for desire, then what were we made to desire? Um, I'll read it to you. The core human longing is for God. This is, the, this is our perspective. And so, of course, it's not the only perspective in the world. Uh, many people that wouldn't believe in God or that wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't find that God would be the thing that's most desirable, uh, they would disagree. But the same, the same thing is true, that everybody's pursuing after something, and that thing is God to them, whatever it is. We'll get back to, to that part later about what happens when you do that. But the core human longing is actually for God, to know God and be known by God in the core of our being, to be infinitely and intimately valued, loved, and known. So that is actually the core human longing. Underneath all the things that people think and feel and desire after, like the, the desire under my desire for a Porsche Boxster, funny enough, the, the scriptures would say, at its root is that what I actually desire is to be with God. What I actually long for that I don't know how to put into words is that I desire to have a relationship with God in which I'm fully accepted, fully known, fully loved, fully, fully celebrated. That is my core human longing, no matter how I end up expressing it. Now, the fact that I'm broken and I'm estranged from that relationship with God, I, I long for that, I don't know how to put it into words, and I don't experience it at all, means that then I try to fulfill that longing with false desires or pseudo-desires or what I'll say is like a surface desire, okay? which are not bad necessarily. It's not about good desires, bad desires. It's just about what is the desire and where is it going. So my core, des- my core desire to know, God and be, to know God and be known by him ends up being expressed, that emptiness, by desiring something else, by a, by a surface desire. The, the, the bad part about humanity is that those desires never actually fulfill the core human longing that I was made for. Okay? It's not about the intellect. It's not about the emotions. It's about this deep-seated drive to find something in life, to pursue something in life. And what ends up happening, sadly enough, is that when I pursue those desires to their end, just like worshiping a stool, they, I end with what they have to give, with what they are, which is actually emptiness, greater emptiness in the end. And when I do that, if I was made to, to desire God and be known by him and know him, and instead I desire after this other thing, I'll actually become less of myself in the process, less of who I was made to be. It's not about doing right and wrong. Okay? It's not about I, was, I should... I should pursue God because that's the right thing to do. It's actually about desire and what's best for a human being. What will cause me to flourish, to enjoy life, to, to create a life that's great for me and great for those around me is actually the more that I pursue other things other than God, I'll become like them, less of me, less of who I was made to be. So to be human is to desire and long for God. This is true of anybody. This is why... Um, as a follower of Jesus, we follow Jesus in, 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 in speaking the message of the kingdom to other people. When Jesus walked around, he was trying to give good news to people. And that good news always had to do with the fact that God was there, was present, was revealing himself through Jesus, right? That God can be accessed now. Often we think this is not good news for people because people don't believe in God maybe, right? It's kind of like, it doesn't feel like good news. I'm kind of nervous to share it with them. 
if we understand and begin to believe that all, everybody I know, their core longing is actually to know God and be known by him, even if they don't know how to put that into words, and even if they tell me, no, it's not, okay? Of course, we're patient with people, but I understand that, that, that Mark's core human longing is actually to know God and be known by him. His inability to express that is because he does not understand it. It's because he's never known it. And everything else he's known has told him that that's not the case. However, this is why I know it's good news, is I know that the message of Jesus is good news for Mark because it's going to fulfill the greatest longing of his heart. Okay. So let's talk a bit more about desire, the desires of my heart. So there's two kinds of desire, okay? And I hope this will make sense over how... The, the, the end here is just how do we read this verse? And then, and then I think it changes everything about how I pray and about how I look at the desires of my life. Because if that's what's really going on, is when I think about what's next in my life, where am I going, I'm discontent. It's all about the desire of my heart. And so what's really going on there? So there's two kinds of desire. I'm made to want to desire God. So the core desire of my heart, actually, is to know God and be known by him. But then I have all these like surface desires of life. Okay, They're not necessarily bad. It doesn't matter right now, but the surface desires of my life. Here's an example. For example, let's say I desire to get my PhD. Okay? I tell you that, uh, you ask me, what do you want to do in life? And I say, by the way, this is, this is, if you're doing this, my example could reflect poorly on you, and that's not the purpose of it. Uh, I desire to get my PhD, and um, yeah, like I, I, li- I really like this this area of study, and I excel at it, and I think that's the next step for me. And you say, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that desire. That's my desire. That's a surface desire, though. This is this practical thing that I want to do. Underneath surface desires, there are deeper desires, core desires that most of us don't express to people, unless we're very vulnerable and we're very in touch with our desire. Okay? So, for example, I desire to get my PhD, but under that, there, are, there is an, often an unspoken longing of my heart. For example, if you were to really press me, say, why do you want to get a PhD? Now, granted, some people, that might be a great thing, okay? But for example, it could be, I want to get a PhD because, and you dig and dig and dig, and you see that the actual longing of my heart is to be respected, is to be recognized, and is to be a success. And so I have decided that's what I long for. I don't long for a PhD. It's a piece of paper, right? What I long for is to be respected, and I have, for whatever reason, decided in my life that a PhD is what would get me that, okay? So it's actually not the PhD that I'm after. This is why people are driven. It's, it's I'm driven to be respected. And until I find that, I'm going to keep going for things, desiring things that I think will, that will fulfill that need. So there's nothing wrong with either of those desires, actually. There's no, desire with the des- there's no problem with the desire to be respected, and there's no problem with the desire to get a PhD either. But the PhD will never ultimately solve the actual desire of my heart, which is what we all want anyway, even if we're not, we're not tapped into that yet, and it's what God wants for me. My heart's desire actually points to my longing for a relationship with God. That's an example. So I desire to be respected, to be successful, to be recognized. What does that have to do with God? This is also, by the way, we'll talk, when Jay Lee's coming, and I hope you can make it out to Friday. I don't think, I think that you will find that really helpful. We're going to talk about what's called gospel fluency or how to become fluent in the message of the good news. So for example, I can, I can become so fluent like a language in the message of Jesus 
that it's in my heart. So when I'm talking to Mark and we're having a conversation about his PhD, I understand what in my heart, not just I'm not just reciting something I know, what Mark's pursuit of a PhD has to do with Jesus because it all has to do with Jesus. So for example, my PhD will never ultimately solve my heart's desire. My actual heart's desire is for a relationship with God, who, the God who sees all and knows all. He sees all people of all time. He knows them all. And at the same time, he recognizes me. He knows me. He even respects me as a, as a human, as a son. And he sees me as a success because of what Jesus has done for me. This is actually what I long for, is, is I, I'm looking for it. I, I was made to be secure. As a human being, we're made to be secure, never insecure, never anxious. So I am anxious and I am insecure, so I'm searching for that anywhere I can. And so for me, in my own story, that lands on PhD. I pursue the PhD to all of you. It looks like I'm just after a PhD. What I'm really after is will somebody recognize me and respect me? The problem is maybe Mark begins to respect me, you know? But there's a whole bunch of other people that I just don't feel it from. I still don't feel respected because I was made to be infinitely respected, infinitely accepted, infinitely loved. And so this is where the message of the gospel that actually Mark is empty and needs to be filled by something that a PhD will never fulfill. The beauty is by the time he's filled with the love of God, the presence of God, a relationship with God that is, that is real, a PhD then becomes something really beautiful, something that's coming out of his life, not his need. Not his, his need. Does that make sense? So the problem is not what we desire ever for anybody. For you, for you, the thing you desire in life right now, for me, the things I desire in life right now. The, 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 the question isn't actually about it at all. It's about what, is my, what am I actually pursuing? What is, the, what is the pursuit of my desire? What's the pursuit of my PhD? This is how we talk about motive, the idea of motive too. Like what's my motive? This is just getting at the same thing. The, the scriptures say that, that um, it's in Proverbs chapter 16, I believe, that the, the, the ways of a, of a person are always right, and there's a paraphrase, are always right in their own eyes. But the Lord sees the motives of the heart. You see, what he's saying is that um, human beings, we, we love to live that, what's called the outer journey, okay? We like, we, especially me, I really like this. I, I, I'm obsessed with my outer life, the way I appear to people, the way I'm perceived by others, and the things that I do and accomplish, okay? It's all my outer life. God uh, is not upset about that, but he's primarily, that means first, concerned with my inner life, my inner journey. This is the real stuff anyway, because a lot of those things are shadow things, false things, just like a PhD. I'm concerned with the PhD. God's like, that's great, Michael. I want to go to the inner journey that led you to the PhD. That's the motive, and that's what's called the desires of the heart. Because this is anyway what really matters to me. The reason that God's into this is because he actually loves me and cares about me. And so if he were to say, that's great, we'll just do the outer journey stuff at the end of my life, uh, I will still be empty unless I pay attention to what God's doing, the inner journey, the journey of my heart, the true desires, the true longings of my heart, the true motives of my heart. This is actually why many of us are frustrated in prayer, I think, too, when you start thinking like this. When we're praying, we're really praying about desires, about wants, okay, about needs, right? And this is why a verse like, like Psalm 37, verse 4, is, is frustrating, if I, if I delight in God, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Well, 
what is it? I didn't delight in the Lord enough because I'm not driving a Porsche Boxster. Right? It's a silly example, but it just has a clear black and white thing. What's going on? Because the, the Lord's not fulfilling that. Jesus is not giving me that. could be something way more important. You know, I've, I've been, I've been, this is, there's, there's harder examples, but, you know, God's not healing this thing in this person I know, or he didn't, or he's not doing these things. The desire of my heart, bless you, the desire of my heart, multitask. He's not doing that. So what's going on? Like, and the only thing I'm left with is that there is not a God or that he is not good or that I am not doing it correctly is usually what we think. It's, it's, it's much more simple than all that stuff anyway. That's usually just anxiety. We don't know why God's not giving us the desires of our heart, and in reality, we're not in touch with the actual desire of our heart. This is the problem. All we know and all we experience are the surface desires, the things that we know to speak to people. The things we're pursuing that are trying to feed the hunger that we actually have. We're, we don't know what the hunger is. We're not in touch with it. And this is also why we're not in touch with it for other people, which is why if Mark's life looks great, you know, this is the terrible way to share the gospel, by the way. Mark's life is great. You know, he's doing the PhD. He's got money. He's got a family. He's doing good. I have way more needs than Mark. So why in the world would I share the message of the gospel with Mark? Yeah, exactly. Well, he needs to, he, he's a lot of pride. So maybe we'll cut him down with, with, uh, with humility or something. But you see what it is? Because I think that the good news is something that is going to... Oh, he's already got it. He's already filled up. He doesn't need anything else. So the good news is only for people with nothing. In in fact, it actually is a bit more the opposite usually in the scriptures. Jesus has a lot of harsh words for people who don't have need. Whereas people who do have need, the gospel is really clear to them. That, that you see you, it's not because you're empty or you're poor that you need God. It's that you're poor so you know what it's like to feel emptiness. You're in touch with being empty. Whereas Mark, because he has much, isn't in touch with his actual need. He lives on the surface, the outer journey. So he's, this is why Jesus says to the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. Everything looks good on the outside, but the inside you're rotten. You only care about the outside. Whereas somebody who is, the scriptures, who's like lame from birth, laying on the ground, it's not just that. Jesus actually wants to reverse the, the injustice that's happened. Okay, They're trampled by everybody else. So he's going to heal them, not just to heal them, but to raise them back up so that they're, there's, there's an equality. But also, for, for somebody who's, who's clean on the outside, Jesus is, the, the real problem is that they've ignored the inner journey, right? And it's rotted away, and they're just out here. So everything's about the exterior, and then I'm fr- I live with God on the exterior too. God, why aren't you doing the things on the outside? And God would say that, that Mark or I or whatever are, are not in touch with our actual need. So he's not going to fulfill something that's not going to fulfill us. So, so maybe God's, and maybe he will fulfill it, but maybe God's not fulfilling those things because they're not actually a desire of my heart. They're not actually going to fulfill me. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis. You probably heard it. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. See, it's a, it's a shift that God is not trying to take my joy away, my desire, my purpose, my ambition. He's saying it's not enough. I, used to, I still do. 
struggle with this, and it's just recently that I've been wrestling again, and I'm realizing, oh, yeah, I, I never, I, I always think of God as he's, as he's actually not. So I struggle with ambition. I just have all this ambition and all this drive, and I just feel like it's wrong. So I don't know what to, I just feel stuck. I can't do anything, right? Because I think God doesn't want me to live out of my ambition, my outer life. So I just think, what does that mean? This is often what we do. Well, it means I do nothing, right? And it means I, and it, sometimes it does, that I wait on God. But what it also means is God's saying, actually, the reason that you're frustrated is because the ambition of your life is so small. It's small. And the reason that I'm frustrating your plan is because it's too small. You know, it's like if, 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 uh, so when I, when I was a kid, uh, I remember my, I stopped wanting the Boxster. I still wanted the Boxster. I stopped wanting to, to be a doctor. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you want to get me a car, I don't want a Boxster. We can talk afterward. It's not that that I want. Uh, so, but, but my, my, my father at some point said to me, which was, which was, it really actually changed my life in a moment because it was kind of like a total surprise. He said to me, you know, whatever you want to do with your life, that's what you should do. Rich or poor, don't worry about me. Do, do what's on your heart to do. I said, wow, that's like really freeing to me. And so I, I have followed that to a point. I followed that to, to a degree. But then it's this, this sense of freedom that I have that I want to pursue something with my life. And what if I said, okay. And, but inside, my father says this to me, but inside I have so much insecurity that I can't find myself to actually pursue the dream that I have. So I end up just accepting things that help me to hide and shy back, right? And let's just say it becomes obvious, like, well, why are you working that job when you don't have to? And it's totally not what I know that you desire. And so I, I would hope that my father would, would say to me, the, the problem is not that you're driven to work at this place. The problem is that your, your, your desire is so much smaller than your true desire. Your current desires, your surface desires are so much smaller than the longing of your heart. And you should, not, you should not give that up like that. It's the same thing here as he's saying that as human beings, we're, we're pursuing these things. You know? why, why, like if somebody has everything, then why do they need God? It's because those things are, are, are false pseudo things. They don't, people know this anyway right now, like th- things like sex and money and success, for example. People already know that they don't fulfill things. Some people are caught up in it. But we already know that all these things are smaller than a pursuit of God. We just don't believe that. We don't want to take that kind of risk, so we don't pursue God to that level. But this is what it is God's saying. It's not that you're, it's bad to desire things. It's that your desire is so small it will not fulfill your, your, your core longings. You can do that. You can pursue that stuff. And when you're empty, you can come back and pursue something that will really give you life. So how does God transform my desire then? So I'm still in the middle of this too. I have desires that feel frustrated. Some of them sound like good things, and they probably are, but I feel frustrated. I feel like God's not answering these prayers. He hasn't been, and in fact, I just feel the opposite is happening. So then how does God transform my desire so that it actually is the true desire of my heart? How does he transform my surface desire so that it's the desire of my heart? Second Corinthians chapter 3, and we all, all of us, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Try to make this a bit more practical or just translate it. 
we all who like nothing is separating us from God are, are thinking about contemplating, staring at who God is like face to face are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. You could say like, this is bad, but shades of identity. Like I'm, I'm becoming looking more and more and more like him. This comes from the Lord who is actually the spirit. This is what's actually happening as we follow Jesus, discipleship, what it means to, to, to walk this life out in following Jesus is actually that he says, this is what the spirit is doing. He's actually transforming us, whether we see it or not. And he's transforming me to look like Jesus. So what did Jesus look like? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Think about that. Where Jesus is connected with what it really means to be a human being. Jesus is not just a religious figure or just, the, just like kind of God who has been set down on the earth. He is, he is God himself, the God Yahweh of the Old Testament, the Father, the God that we have always been kind of separated from. But he's also a human being, fully a human being. And he says, my food, he said, I'm living out of my heart. I'm craving something. And my food is to do the will, is to do the desire of him who sent me. He says, my food, what I eat, what fills me up is to fulfill the desires of my father. Psalm 34, 7, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus is driven and he's hungry. But it's not, this is clear, even though he's God himself, Jesus's motives, the desire of his heart is not to make a name for himself. It's not to fill up things that were taken away from him when he was young. Often these are our desires, or they're just ways to cope with what we've lacked, okay? It's not to fill up things that were taken away, and it's not to find other people to fulfill Jesus. Jesus is our example of what does it look like for me to be fully myself, to be fully alive. And it's, it's only at my core to consume God and God's desires, to live in that kind of relationship with him that's actually fulfilling all the actual longings that have led me to other things and that have left me short. Following Jesus brings me toward the real me that God created. That's the idea here, is following Jesus does not bring you away from you to like this secluded religious community where you become secluded from everyone else. It's just about you coming into a relationship with God that's authentic and real that will make you who you were actually made to be. And you will feel that. When I do that, I become free from my brokenness and it allows me to live more and more out of my new heart. So now I live out of my heart. Now I live out of my desire. I don't live out of right and wrong. I mean, I'd imagine that. It almost sounds wrong. I don't live out of right and wrong and I don't live out of what other people expect of me and I don't just think about, I don't live out of just what I think is correct. I live out of my desire, which is being transformed into the desire of God himself. So I say, I mean, what it looks like is like when Jesus, when Jesus goes off and he says, Father, and he spends time with the Father and he comes back and he, and he knows exactly what he wants to do. Why? Because he's, he's, he's filled up with the Father and he says, I just want to do what the Father does because when I do that, it's like, it's like food to me. I love it. Not that I have to. I'm not obligated to do it. I just found the secret to life that every other food I was eating was, was not good. It wasn't doing it for me and this is doing it. Then when I, when I want to do a PhD, it's just another way of, it's just I'm already filled up. PhD, take it or leave it. It's like, the, it's like the person that has like five PhDs and you never know, you know. Not that you have to do that, but it's just the example of like, it's not about that. I did that because it, it, was, it was on the journey of my pursuit of, of, of God. I don't need it. 
I don't need anything. So Psalm 34, 7, we started at the end, heart, desires. So how does it work? If I take delight, if I worship, if I pursue, if I desire, you know, the, the, the kind of thing here is what he's saying is actually that the, the thing that will make you most alive in the world, the thing you're after, the thing you desire is God. So when you don't, it's just that you don't, you're just settling. That's actually the message of the gospel is that you're settling for something that's never going to work. That's never going to fulfill you. If you're really serious about sucking the marrow out of life, about living the life that you were made to, then you would pursue Jesus. Anything that Jesus asks us to lay down is just getting in the way from my desire, from my real desire. He said, it's actually not that I'm giving anything up in, in reality. The only things I'm giving up are trying to make room for God to fill me with actual life. And this is practical. The examples are for you. I don't know what those things are that you have to give up, but how do you put that into practice? Elodie, you can come up. Confess your core desire. Okay, this is, this is the heart. This is the inner journey. It's basically it's saying, okay, I accept to take the inner journey. And by the way, it's not inner journey versus outer journey. So this is it. I, I'm not gonna, this is what's beautiful is me caring for the poor, sharing the gospel with somebody, pursuing this vision that God has of the world is not even dependent on how I feel. And it's not dependent on how much I know. And it's not dependent on first like cleaning myself up or first like figuring things out. The reason I fe we feel like that often is because we think that w when we're going to do something that it's, it's actually out of, like what we're doing is it's actually out of my own strength anyway. It's actually out of what I've got to know something. I've got to do this. I've got to feel this. In reality, if I come to Mark and I say, Mark, I know that, and I know this because I know I'm not doing it too. I know that, that pursuing Jesus, that, 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 that making, making the God who made you the prime thing in your life and saying, pursue a relationship with him because he'll fulfill you more than anything else. And then that will give life to all the other things you do anyway. I can do that in vulnerability. I'm not telling you this because I am perfect. I'm telling you this because I am submitting my desires to. Every desire I have is, is just a clue to me that I, I actually really desire God. So when I desire to be successful, I say, okay, oh, I gotta get rid of this desire to be successful. I say, right, I was made to feel successful. But success, that feeling, that longing for success will never come by like, by, by you know, succeeding at the task I'm doing, what I'm really longing for is that I would feel like I matter to somebody and like I, like I have a purpose to my life. And this is found in God. So I can say, Mark, this is the truth. Let, let's do that together. You know, I see that you desire things too. So do I. The scriptures tell me that, that the desires of our heart that God wants to give us, the true desire of our heart, it doesn't have to, does that make sense? It doesn't have to, I don't have to wait until I figure it out because I'm not going to figure it out. <laughs> it's never going to happen. So, number one, I want to confess the true desire of my heart. Father, what is it? This is another psalm. Father, search me and know me. Search my heart and show me any anxious way in me. I'm very good at paraphrasing things. I'm not telling you what they say. But I, you, can, you can look it up. Look at any anxious way in me. In other words, what is the true desire of my heart? 
What is actually there, Father? What is the real motive? Because I want you to fulfill that. So confess your core desire. This takes vulnerability to God, to other people. What's your real desire? And then repent for the ways that you've chased after things that aren't actually fulfilling. They're bad for you. They're bad for people around you. They're, they're be, not because they're wrong, but because they're not enough. So repent means turn. Turn away from things that you know won't, that, that, they, that they're not actually going to fulfill your deepest needs. And then Psalm 34, 7. Delight in the Lord, which means to worship him. And, and you can look at the song we're about to sing as like a way to practice that, which is really something you do in your life, not just something you sing. But worship is an invitation to participate in the life of God. That's what worship means. Music is a way that we can express that. But what worship really means is it's an invitation to live a life with God in God. The way that looks practically, if that doesn't feel practical to you, is to let go of everything else and to say, I just want to live life with you, God. Say it to him. And I promise you that as you do that, that things will begin to kind of just make sense. And then trust that God will actually, it really requires trust, God will actually fulfill the true desires of your heart that the other things won't. You just have to wait. But the true desire of your heart that God will do it. Here's the warning is you should not be passive about it. That's the other thing. We just think, I just got to give up all my desires, which means being passive, waiting around, doing nothing. The reason it's not good is because uh, the world is not passive. I'm, the minute when I'm here, I'm being discipled. When I leave the room, I'm being discipled. I'm being trained by people to desire things. Every advertisement is, is, a, is, a, is, is a trying to disciple me to desire something that I need, right? If I, if I have that place, that car, that trip, that way of life, that, that um, image, that'll, that'll be good. That'll be enough. See, I'm always being trained, so I can't be passive because if I'm just passive about God, I'm just going to be led further and further away anyway. The world is not a passive place. So don't be passive. Instead, you take the inner journey. You say, God, actually, my journey of life that I'm frustrated with right now, my outer journey, is just a product of my inner journey. So, Father, what's going on in my inner journey? Is that actually what I really desire? Is this, Father, will you fulfill that? And what this does is it, it uncomplicates the outer journey. When I'm, when I'm being fulfilled in God, then the other things in life can take place and mission can take place and be fruitful because then, actually, I'm not, and I'm not sharing the gospel with Mark because I have to. I'm sharing the gospel with Mark because it's a product of my inner journey. I know what it's like to wrestle with the true desire of my heart. So when I see somebody that's after things, when I see that, I get it. Whatever it is, I get it because they're after something and so am I. And if, they, and if I actually want to help them to be fulfilled, then I should direct their desire back to where it was made to be. And the promise is that if we delight in God, that he'll transform our desires, our surface desires, so that it's actually the true desire of our heart that is fulfilled. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.